Begin the Gemara today, right at the beginning of the Yomud, of Samach Tes, Samadalev. The Gemara continues the discussion that we have over here in the Gemara regarding a person after he passes away, what happens with his daughters. So generally, there are two obligations that he has for his daughters. One is to feed them, so we take from his properties to feed the daughters. And the other one, the Gemara calls that, of course, Mizoinus. And the other one is to marry them off. And the Gemara refers to that as Parnosa. And we said before, in a situation when we don't know how much a person would want to give, we just take a set amount of a tenth of his properties that he owns, and we give it for the daughter to get married. So the Gemara here will have a discussion, different Amiraim speaking about this. Talalei Rav Rabbi. Rav, uh, Talalei means, Rashi says, he, uh, he wrote him a letter. And uh, in this letter, Talalei Rav Rabbi Beini Chiti, between the lines, so he wrote in also a question in Taita. He was just writing him a letter of greeting and hello and so on, but he also wrote a question in Taita. What was the question? Ha'achan she'shibdu, brothers that have the properties of the father, and then they sold off some properties. Mahu, the question is, what's going to be with those properties? Could their sister collect for her marriage or for her mezaynes? So we're actually we're talking specifically here regarding the marriage. Could they collect from there for the money that they need for the marriage? Shubani. It was already sold. Yeah, Shubadim, they sold it off already. So when the Rebbe got this letter, Havi Yosef was sitting in front of Rebbe. Amalei, so Rabchia said to Rebbe, what, what is the question here? The brothers, they sold off these properties or they just gave it as a collateral to someone that they owed money to. So it wasn't completely sold off. Amalei, so Rebbe said, What difference does it make? Either way, the halacha will be the same. Whether the brothers sold it, whether the brothers gave it as a mashkin, either way, might see in Leparnosa. We will take from those properties to give for the girl to get married, for the sister to get married. But once it's all, we don't take from these properties to feed her. This is something already we had before. This is Rabbi's opinion. Okay, but the way Rav asked the question, though, Rav was vague in the way he asked it, right? Rav just said, The brothers that gave away the properties. Shibdu means it's not now in their possession. But Rabbi, Rav, that is, when he asked the question, didn't make it clear what he meant. Did they actually sell it, or they just give it temporarily for someone to keep as a collateral? So the Gemara says, Rav, the reason why Rav asked this question in a vague way is because he wanted to get the full answer. If he would have clearly said that his question is regarding when the brother sold the property, so then, so again, the Gemara's first is explaining, why, asking sort of, why didn't Rav spell out his question clearly? If his question was regarding the brothers that sold the property, so why didn't he spell out his question and write to Rabbi, my question is if it was sold? If his question is when the brothers gave the property as a collateral, so let him write in the letter, his question is when the properties were given as a collateral. So the Gemara explains, Rav asked the question vaguely, intentionally. Rav, Tarvaya Komiboyele. Rav really had a question regarding both of these scenarios. And Vesavar, and therefore he thought to himself as follows. If I'm only going to ask the question about if the brothers sold the property. So then, I'll get a full answer. If he's going to answer me, that even if the properties are totally sold off, still you take money from there for the chasana of the daughters, of the sister. So then I would say, I would understand most definitely it was only given away temporarily as a collateral. It's not completely given away. For sure you take from there for the chasana. But 
But if he's going to answer me that when it's sold off, so then once it's out of the brother's property, out of their possession, that is, so you can't take from there. For the chasanah, so then, I'm not going to be sure, though, if that halacha applies also to a case when the field is given as a collateral. Maybe only if it's completely out of their, their possession, you don't take from there for the chasanah. But maybe if it's only a mashkin, maybe you do. So I won't get my full answer. On the other hand, if I'm going to ask my question only regarding a case where it was given as a mashkin, if he's going to answer me that even if it's only partially out of the brother's possession, you can't use from there for the money of the chasna, for the sister, most definitely if it's completely out of their possession, that they totally sold it off, you can't use it anymore. But if Rebbe is going to answer me that a field that was given as a mashkin, you could use money from there for the chasna, I still will have a question. What's if it was totally sold off? Could you use from there for the chasna? I won't know the answer. So therefore, I'm going to write to him a vague question. I'm going to write Shibdai, meaning that it was given away to someone else. It's Meshubad, meaning that someone else is holding on to it. It's not anymore in the brother's possession. The Mashmachi or Mashmachi, and that includes both of these cases, whether it was completely sold off, whether it was just given as a collateral. And then I'll get my full answer from Rebbe for the question that I had. So this is Rabbi's opinion. So again, what did Rabbi say? If it, was, if it is for Mezaynes, we don't take from these properties. If it's for Parnasa, for the marriage, we still do. But the Imam brings Rabbi Yechanan Rabbi Yechanan said, Whether it is for the Mezaynes of the sisters, whether it's for the marriage of the sisters, you don't take from these properties once they're sold off or given away to someone else. The question was asked about Rabbi Yechanan's opinion. Because this is something very unusual here. Rabbi Yechanan, which is an Amayra, is arguing with Rebbe, which is a Tana. Usually an Amayra doesn't argue with a Tana. So what happened here? The reason he argued is because he actually didn't hear Rebbe's opinion. So, and, and, and if he would hear that Rebbe said so, he would, would have definitely changed his mind and accepted what Rebbe said. Or perhaps, he did hear Rebbe's opinion, and But nevertheless, he did not accept this opinion of Rebbe. He had another source, and therefore he argued with Rebbe. So let's uh, try to figure out, did he hear what Rebbe said or not? So the Gemara brings another case, Toshima. We learned uh, the following halacha. The Itmer, we learned uh, another psaktin that Rabbi Yechenen also said. Mishemais, a person passes away. And he left two daughters, Uben, and one son. So now what happens? Of course, the son inherits everything, and the daughters don't inherit anything, mm-hmm. but they do have to get fed, and they get the money for the chasaneh. Now, the kadma rishayna, the natla the first daughter already got married, and she took a tenth of the properties for her marriage. Now, the second daughter did not get a chance to collect her tenth that she deserves for her marriage, until the son passed away. What happens when the son passed away? Now, this son passed away with no children, so now the inheritance that would go to the son now goes to these two daughters. Usually daughters don't, uh, don't inherit, but over here, the son passed away, so now these two daughters have to inherit. They so they have to split this inheritance. So the question is, the second daughter says, yeah, we're going to have to split all this inheritance, but before we split it, let me first get a tenth of the property for what I deserve for my marriage. And after I get my tenth, like you got your tenth already, now we're going to go ahead and split it. That's what she says. And the other sister says, no, no, no. Now we're equally inheriting this property. There's no reason for you to get a tenth anymore. Let's just split it and that's it. So what did Rabbi Yechene say about this? 
Shniya Vitra, the second daughter, forgoes, in other words, she loses that original tenth for her marriage that was designated for her at this point. Now, she, since the inheritance is equal between both of them, so she doesn't get that tenth anymore. Rab Chanina asked Rab Yechenen, and he said, this can't be true, because we actually even said something even greater than this regarding the rights that a girl has for the money of her chasana, that tenth, we said even in a, in a situation even that's more extreme than this, that she does get it. What did we say? And this is going back to Rebbe's opinion. Might see in the Parnassa, if the properties were sold off, so then we take it out of the buyer for the Parnassa for the marriage, and the aim might see in the Mizainus, even if we don't take out from Mizainus to feed the daughters or the sister, but we still do take out for Parnassa. So what's, uh, what's Rabbi Hanina uh, saying? Even if it's sold off to somebody else, nevertheless, we take it out from that buyer for the purpose of this girl that has to get married. Over here, it's not sold off to somebody else. Over here, the money is available right in front of them. So true, right now, they are the Yerushim. They're the ones that are inheriting this full property, and therefore, the one sister is saying to the other, there's no reason for you to get a tenth. But what Rabbi Hanina is saying is, if when someone else bought it, this, this daughter could still get her rights for, for what she needs for her marriage. For sure, in this case, that they are the ones that are now taking it and inheriting it. But for sure, first, this daughter should get what she deserves. And you, say that the second daughter forgoes and does not get her tenth. So he's asking Rabbi Yechenen based on Rabbi's opinion. This that Rabbi said that when you sell it off, you still could collect from there from your, for your marriage. Now, now, from here, we could try to understand whether Rabbi Yechenen had heard of what Rabbi said. If it's true that Rabbi Yechenen heard what Rabbi said, so why, why did Rabbi Yechenen not ask Rabbi Hanina, who are you quoting? When you're saying this, Allah, who said this? He should, have, he should have asked him. Elamai, it must be that... He did not know Bechlal, and therefore he didn't accept Bechlal, what Rabbi Hanina said, and he never found out, he, didn't, he thought Rabbi Hanina is saying this on his own, and he never knew that Rabbi is the one that said this. So the Gemara says, not necessarily. Maybe it could be that originally he did not hear what Rabbi said, and but now that Rabbi Hanina said to him that this halacha, that Rabbi said, that you do take for the marriage, even after it was sold off to someone else. So really, he understood that this is Rabbi that said so. He may, may have inquired, he asked Rabbi Yechenina, that is, and he found out that Rabbi said so, and Kibble, and he accepted what Rabbi said, and he changed his opinion, and he still did not change his opinion regarding the halacha that he said over here with the Yerusha. When the son passes away, that now they yashin the whole inheritance, and we still we will not give the second daughter a tenth of what she deserves. And the reason is, over here the reason is very simple because the first daughter that got a tenth says to the second daughter, "What do you need a tenth for now for your marriage? We're splitting the entire inheritance. You're gonna have so much money anyways. Why do you want to take a tenth first and then split the inheritance? If we're splitting the inheritance, you'll have enough." In the case when the brother sold off the properties to someone else, so there's nothing available for you to get married. So over there, Rabbi said that you have to collect from that place for her to get married. But over here, you're getting the inheritance. So what, so what, what are you tining over here? Why do you want an extra tenth? So therefore, he agrees to Rabbi, but he doesn't apply it to this case. So the Gemara now asks, Ravashi. So if so, based on this, If so, What's if one of the daughters finds a Metziah? She becomes rich somehow. So the Ikela, she has enough money for her marriage. Uh, the Ikerevach Beisadris, she has enough 
abundance in her home for her marriage. Are you going to say the same thing, that because she has an abundance now, we're not going to give her the tenth that she deserves? Of course we're not going to say that. It's her luck that she got rich, but we're still going to give her her tenth that she deserves. So the fact that over here the son passes away, and therefore she's inheriting half of the inheritance, and she's rich now, that doesn't take away her rights to the tenth of the nechassim. So the Gemara answers, it's not the same thing. So he answered him, It's this very money that you want her to get a tenth from, that she has a right to take a tenth from. It's this money itself that she's not getting half of it. So we hear, in such a case, we say that that's bottle, in the, in her right becomes bottle because she's actually getting this money itself. But if she would stop find the Metziah, otherwise, that's a luck that she has, and it's not going to take away her tenth. Amar Ameymer said, now the Gemara will define a little bit better this halacha that a, that a daughter, a sister, gets a tenth of the properties for her marriage. How exactly do we define this right? The Gemara before, if you remember, said it's not really part of it. We don't treat it like a t'nai in the ksuba. So the question is, so how, how do we treat it? Is it considered to be like a yerusha? She's like a, we treat her like a yerush, that she's yarshining? Or do we say that she's like a balchayv? It's like the money is owed to her. The Gemara will explain the difference. So Amar Abaya, Abaya says, Bas, Yereshes Havya. A daughter that's getting this tenth for her marriage, she's a Yereshes, she's inheriting this. So Ravashi says to her, if you're saying that she's inheriting this, then what does that mean? If the brothers come and say to her that we owe you this tenth, we're, we're giving you the amount of money in cash. And, that, and that's yours to take. Like, like when you pay off a creditor that you owe money to. So Hachanami, are you going to say over here that she's not a creditor, she's not a Balchayev, she's an inheritor, and therefore, Hachanami, the Limatzilis, look at they can't just give her money? What's the halach of a Yerish? A Yerish is a person that has a portion in the whole Yerusha, and therefore a Yerish should come and say, don't just give me money and send me going. I have a portion in the whole Yerusha, and I want to choose exactly from which property I want to get my Yerusha, or I have a chilek in every part of the Yerusha here. So if so, the brothers should not be able to just give her cash for her wedding, because she can say, I'm a Yiddish. I'm defined, my zechus to get a tenth for my wedding is like a Yiddish, and therefore I want to get part of uh, the properties here. Amalayin. So Amayim says, Yeah, that's true. Now the Gemara goes further. If the brothers come and tell her, For your marriage, you just take that one particular property to use for your marriage. The brothers will not be able to just give her one property. Again, the point is because she's a Yiddish. So she can say, I want out from this property, I want out from that property. She can choose from where she wants. I'm an inheritor. I'm a lay-in. So again, he answers her, yes, that's true. So this is Amayim's opinion, that she's an inheritor and we can't just give her money and send her off. Ravashi Yama, but Ravashi says, Bas balas chayvi, Havya, that is. That no, this daughter that gets a tenth for her marriage, she's like a balas chayv. It's a loan, like we like to be owed the money, and therefore we just give her money, and she can't come and choose and say, "I want from here, from there." Now the Gemara says, Even a member that originally said that we treat her like an inheritor, he regretted or he retracted his opinion. So he said that I was standing in front of a and a woman came in front of him for this purpose, to have a kabayi isin al-chasim, that she wanted to collect the tenth of the father's properties for her marriage. The chazisiladaite, and I saw a meme's opinion. The bailus look at that if the brothers would want to give her money, have masalikla, he would allow them to give the money and she would be sent off and she can't say, I want from here, from there. 
Well, how do I know this? Because I overheard the brothers were saying to her, that if you would have money, we would give you the cash right now and, and, and then send you going. And the Ishtik, and when Amemer heard the brother saying this, he was quiet. So we see that Amemer retracted his opinion and he agrees that we treat her like a Balchayv and we just give her the money and she can't come and be picky from where she wants to take this tenth. Amemer didn't comment anything. So now the Gemara concludes. Here comes up another question. Now that you say that this daughter, the fact that she gets a tenth from the properties, it's just like a loan, that she's owed this money and we can just pay her off this loan. But the question is, she's a balas chayv of who? Who is the, who's the one that owes her the money? Where really is the source of the loan from? The Abba, is she a balas chayv of the father? Is the father the one that owes her the money? And now when the father passes away, it's the children, the brothers, that are paying up the loan of the father that he owes to marry off his daughter. Or do we say no, that it's a direct loan between her and her brothers, that the brothers owe her this money. Now what's the difference? What's the difference if it's the brothers paying off the father's loan or if it's the brothers paying off their own loan? So the Gemara explains, what's the difference? So the difference is, could she collect the loan that she has there from Bainanis? So we know there are three kinds of qualities of field. There's the Idis, the best, the Bainanis is intermediate, and Zibudis is the worst. Could she demand that she wants to collect even from Bainanis, not only from the worst quality, and Shuloi Bishvua, and also to collect without making any Shvua, without swearing that she's owed this money. So this is based on the Gemara, this is a Gemara in Gittin, we had it also before, where the Gemara says, when you collect anything from Yusayimim, if the father owed money, and now the father died, and now you're collecting what the father owed from his children, the halach is two things. Number one, you only get the worst quality properties, the Buddhists. And number two, you have to make a shvua before you collect, you're going to have to swear that the father did not pay me yet. Because the father that the money was owed to is not here, and you're collecting from the Yusayim that don't know anything that's going on, so you have to make a shvua. So over here, the question is, if we're going to say that who's the one that really owes her the money? The brothers. It's nothing to do with the father. The brothers owe the money. So then, like every loan, the halacha is you pay bainanis. You don't pay the worst quality. You have to pay bainanis. And also without a shvua, because it's them that owe her the money. They're not paying up the father's loan. Uh, or do we say, is b'shvua. Or do we say, no, that's the, really the father that owned the money and the children are paying up the father's loan so you only get the worst quality field and you're going to have to make a shvua. So my what's the halacha? So the Gemara brings from an actual a story that happened. Toshima deravine agbei lebrate de ravashi. So ravine collected for the daughter of ravashi for her marriage, the case that we're speaking about. So here, the story is ravashi had two sons. One is always quoted in the Gemara as mar baravashi son of Ravashi, we don't know his name, but he's called Mar Baravashi. But then he had another name, another son, which was called Rav Sama. So first, Rav, uh, uh, when Ravashi passed away, so the son of Ravashi was alive, Mar Baravashi, and he collected a portion of what was owed to the sister. What did he collect from? Bainani. From Bainanis and Vishaloi Bishvua. He collected from an intermediate property and without a Shvua. So we see that the, the loan is directly to the brother, not to the father, and therefore he could collect from Bainanis without a Shvua. But then what happened? There was another, another brother. And after, after Mar Ravashi and Ravsama passed away, so now Ravsama's son, Ravsama's son was the one that this uh, aunt, the sister, wanted to collect from. Again, which was Ravashi. Now she was coming to collect from the grandson of Ravashi, so, which was um, her nephew in, in essence. 
So she came to collect from there. And over here, what did she get? Zibudis and Beshvua. Because she's not collecting from her brother. Abravashi and Rafsama were not here anymore. Now she's collecting only from a son. So now she only got Zibudis, worse quality, and with the Shvua. So what do we see over here? That really the tenth that she has to get for her marriage comes directly from her brother. If she's collecting directly from her brother, she gets Beninis and without a Shvua. If her brothers will pass away, and now their children, her nephews, she's going to have to go collect from them, they're paying up their father's loan to this uh, woman. Now she's only going to get the Zibudis and with the Shvua. He sent the following message to Rabbi Baravona from Nerda. When this woman comes in front of you, give her, make sure she could collect from a tenth from the properties of her father. And And this includes even from the base of where the, uh, the meal is. And even though it may, it may seem like a movable item, but nevertheless, because it's, it's, it's firmly and heavy in the ground, it's considered to be karka, and you should collect from there for the tenth of what she needs for her marriage. When we were by Rav Kahana, have a magbinon, we would collect for the tenth of the chasna of this daughter, including even from the income that comes from a rental, from a home, even though it's, it's really money, it's not the actual property that you're collecting from, but nevertheless, because the income comes from a home, which is a karka, so therefore we would collect from there. Taisu says it's talking about middle of the rental. Okay, look in Taisus, because really once the rental is over, so then it's just money. But it's talking about a middle of the rental, and this money is considered to be a, the income that comes from Karka. So to Gemara, another story regarding this halacha here. Shalach le Ravonan le Ravona. Ravonan sent a question to Ravona, and he sent it to him in the following language. Hona chaveden. Hona, my friend, or our friend. Shalem, peace upon you. The question is, ki asya, oh, so he, she, he sent him to say as follows, ki asya when this woman will come to you, agba make sure that she can collect a tenth of the properties that she needs for her marriage. That's Now, the, the main thing the Gemara is going to focus on over here is how he addressed Rafuna. He addressed Rafuna as his friend. Huna chaveren, huna my friend. So Rav Yosef Rav Sheshes Kamei. Rav Sheshes was sitting in front of Rav Hune when this question or this, uh, this uh, demand sort of came from Rav Onan to him saying, Hune, my friend, make sure that this woman could, could get her money. And Omalei, Rav Hune said to Rav Sheshes, Zil Emelei, go back to Rav Onan and tell him exactly what I'm going to tell you not to tell him. And he warned him and he said, And if you're not going to say exactly in the language that I tell you to tell him, you'll be in cheyrem. So, so, so you have to say him as follows. Tell him, on, 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 on. He's, he's using sort of a, a little bit of an embarrassing expression. He's like, he's not addressing him, Rav, on, on, and he's like saying, on, 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 on. Should I give this woman a tenth from karka, from properties, or even from valuables, from movable items? And then he asked him another question. Tell me, Uman Yosef in a Beymar Zeche, which the Gemara will soon say is in a house of Avelim. Who sits at the head of the, of the table in a house of Avelim? That's the second question he asked him. So the Mepharshim say, he was trying to hint with him, to him with this to say that uh, you think that you're in your place where you are, you're the head and you're, you're a Rav and so on. But sometimes when you're in the head, it doesn't even necessarily show that you're Choshev. Like in the house of Avelim, you have a simple person that's an Oval, but when he's an Oval, he sits at the head. So don't think that you're so uh, great that you're the head, that you're addressing me as Hunu Chaveren, Hunu my friend. So <coughs> that, this is how we responded to him. So Rav Sheshis had no choice. 
you have to go now to Rav Onon and speak to him in this way. So also Rav Sheshus the Rav Onon. Rav Sheshus went to Rav Onon and Omale, he said to him, now he, before Rav Sheshus has to fulfill what Rav Huna tells him, he gives him this whole introduction to, to, to explain to him why he's going to say what he's going to say. So he says, Mar Rabbe, Ma, the master of Onon is a great person. But Rav Huna Rabbe de Rabbe. And Rav Huna is even greater. He's, he's the, the teacher of, of my teacher, of Rav Onon. And Rav Huna sent me here, and he, he said that I, anyone would, I would be in Chayrim, and if I'm not going to say exactly what I have to tell you. And if not, the fact that he warned me to this extent, I wouldn't say what I'm saying now. And then he repeated exactly what Rav Huna said. Should I collect the money from Karka or Metaltlin? And then the question was, Who sits in the Beimarzach at the head? When Rav Onan heard how Rav Onan responds to him, so he went to his friend Mar Ukve to, to, to talk to him about this. Look how Rav Onan sends back to me a message. Onan, Onan. He's embarrassing me, calling me Onan, Onan. And Vaid, he asks me, Marzeche, the Shalachli. This question about a Marzeche, I have no idea what a Marzeach is. What is this place called Marzeach? So Mar Ukve says to Rav Onan, to look, Emily, easy. Tell me easy, easy some say uh, means uh, easy, tell me, tell me so, or easy, so, uh, others say easy means tell me my friend. Tell me exactly what, the, what happened over here. Omalei, so I told him the whole story. This is what happened. I sent him the question and I addressed him as Huna, my friend, and then he sent me back this question and also he adds this question of a Bey be Marzeach. Omalei, so Marukva tells him, so if you're actually a person that does not know what a marzeche is, you address Rav Huna, which, so much, which is so much greater than you. You address him as Huna, my friend. So the Gemara Taka says, so my marzeche, what is a marzeche? So the Gemara says, oval. It refers to the house of an oval. It says in the Pasuk, this is a Pasuk that speaks about going into the house of an oval. It says there afterwards in the Pasuk, Valtelech Lispoit. So, Marzeach is a novel. So now, the connection to this, the Gemara brings, Amar Avavo, How do we know that the oval in his house, so he sits at the head, Shanem, the Pasuk says, Evcha darkam ve'eshev roish, ve'eshken kemelech begedud, kasha avelem yenachem. So it says, Eshev roish, that he sits at the head, and it refers to the avelem. Now, even though it says, yenachem, that they, the avelem console others, yenachem achedem ashma, it sounds like we're speaking about those that are consoling others, not about the avelem themselves. But Amar Avnach, Mabayitzchak, yenucham ksiv. You're supposed to read it, yenucham, which means that they get consoled. So it's referring to the avelem themselves, that they sit at the head. Another source of Gemara says, Mazutra ma mehocha v'sa marzeach suruchim. That they will re- remove Marzeach, which is the Avelis, Seruchim, the people that they, they are sitting at the head and they become a Sar over all the others. What does the word Marzeach mean? It means Mar Vezach. He's bitter and Zach means he's like detached from himself. He, he's, uh, can't, he can't get a hold of himself. And the Nasasar, the Seruchim. And he becomes a minister over everybody else, even great people, because when a person is an Oval, he sits at the head. So that explains what this Marzeach is. Now the Gemara concludes after the whole discussion we had regarding a daughter that collects money from the father's property. So Omar Rav, Rav says, Hilchaser. The halacha is, You only collect from karka, from properties, from lands, and not from movables, from, from valuables. 
This is both when you're collecting for the to feed the daughters, the money that you collect for the wife to give her the ksube, and and the money that you collect to pay for the marriage also comes only from karka. That's the final halacha. A father that gave money to a third party. He gives money to a third, the third individual that he's going to give this morning money for his daughter. And Vihia Medes, and now, now the daughter comes along and says, okay, so as Rashi explains over here, what, what did the father do? The father wanted that this third person should buy a property, should buy a house for his daughter. So when his daughter gets married, she'll have a house to live in. Now Vihia Medes, what does the daughter say? You don't have to buy me no house, just give me the money. Nemon Bali Alai, I trust my husband. My husband will buy the property, he will, he will take care of it. Just give me the money. <laughs> so what do we do? So the Gemara says, Yasa Shlish Mashahushlash This third person has to do exactly the way the father commanded him. He has to listen to what, to what he said. We'll see soon in the Gemara. The Gemara says there's a concept called Mitzvah Lekayim Divri Ames. You have to fulfill what the person that passes away told you to do, even though over here it was for the benefit of his daughter. And she says, I'll take care of it myself. It doesn't matter. You have to listen to what he says. says, What do we want this third person to do? We want him to, to buy a property, to buy a field for her. And she says, whatever property you're going to buy for me, I'll sell it right away and get cash for it. So what she's essentially saying is, why are you buying a property and then giving me this property? Make believe as if you already bought me the property and I'm going to sell it and I'm going to get the cash for it. So just give me the cash right away and that's it. In other words, it's in my hands to do whatever I want with it. So just give me the money as is. So make believe it's already sold from now. So therefore give me the money. So therefore, Rabbi Yaisi is basically saying, we're not going to listen to what the May said, and because over here, the, the man that she's saying makes a lot of sense. It's for her benefit, so therefore we give her the money. Now, the Mishnah finishes off, when is this all said? If she's already a G'dayla. If she's still a katana, then the actions of a katana are worthless, are nothing, and therefore she does not get this money. The Gemara will explain this last line, if it's Rabbi Yaisi speaking or Rabbi May speaking. The first thing Gemara brings Abraisa. Taner Abanam, we learned in Abraisa here, the same Achleik is between Abmeir Abyeisi, but Abraisa actually elaborates it. There's more details to it. It depends on the situation. There's more, there's more details. Hamash Lishmois Lechasana, a person gives money to a third party and the money is going to be for his daughter and for his son-in-law. Likach ben Sada Lebitai, to buy a field or a house for his daughter. And again, he met us, she says, just give the money to my husband and he'll buy me. I, I trust my husband. You don't have to fulfill what my father said to buy me a property first. So now in this price it says, I was like, if she's already fully married to her husband, so then she has the right to demand this and she could say, give the money to my husband. Because as Rashi says, once she's already fully married, over here for sure, even the father never intended that he shouldn't give the money to her. Right? Because over here, once she's fully married, so really this money belongs for the son-in-law. He has the full rights to do whatever he wants. So therefore we give, we, we, we give her the money. But me and Edison, but if she's not fully married yet, so then, so then the shlish, this third person, has to fulfill exactly what the father said, and he does not give the money to his daughter or to the son-in-law. This is Rab Meir's opinion. So in this price, it adds a detail that I didn't say in the Mishnah. It depends if she's already fully married or not. 
Rabbi Yaisi says that we use a different criteria to decide whether we give her the money or not. Ha if she's already a Gedayla, so then it doesn't matter. Whether she's fully married, whether she's not fully married, she has the right to say, give me the money. I can do with it whatever I want. I have the, the das to go and buy myself a property or my husband will buy me a property. Katana, but if she's still a katana, so then she can't act and do anything herself. She can't buy anything for herself. So then we say, whether she's fully married, whether she's not fully married, let this third person that the father hired, let him do what he has to do. She's a katana, she can't do anything. So now the Gemara says, exactly in which cases does Rabbi Yesi, do Rabbi Yesi and Rabbi Meir argue? Because if you look at this price, it's a very interesting thing. It's not very clear in which case they argue. They're basically giving us two different criteria how you look at this. Rabbi Meir says the only thing you look at is, is she fully married or not fully married? Rabbi Yesi says what you look at is, is she a Gedayla or a Katana? So, what, so which case do they argue about? If you're going to say the argument is in a case where she is a Katana, on one hand, she's still a katana, she doesn't know what she's doing, but on the other hand, she's fully married to her husband. So now she's fully in her husband's possession, and the husband knows what she's doing. So maybe that's the case. This is the case that they're arguing. That Rav Meir says, that one, Rav Meir says the criteria is the full marriage. So once she's fully married, so the husband has the right to get the money as is. And on that, Rav is arguing and saying, even if she's fully married, Nami as well, in Katana light, we still have to look at her herself. Mm-hmm. If she's a Gedayla, so then she gets the money. But if she's a Katana, even though she's fully married, she does not get the money. So this seems to be the case that they're arguing about. Again, a Katana Menana Suin says the Gemara. But now let's go back to our Mishnah. We're discussing the Braise here, but let's look at the last line of our Mishnah. Amos Sefer, what did it say in the last line of the Mishnah? When it comes to Katana, ain't Maisa Katana, clone, the actions of a Katana are worthless, and therefore we do not give her the money. That was the last line of the Mishnah. The question is, who is speaking here in the last line of the Mishnah? If you're going to say it's Rabbi Yaisi speaking, but it can't be, because if you look at what Rabbi Yaisi already said before, it's self-understood that this is Rabbi Yaisi's opinion, that you don't give the money to a Katana. Why? What did Rabbi Yaisi say in the Mishnah? What did Rabbi Yaisi say? That why, are we, why aren't we giving the money? Even if you would buy her a field, make believe as if she bought the field, and she went and sold that field, and she got the money for herself. So Rabbi Yaisi her, her, himself is saying that this is only in a situation where it's possible for her to do all this for herself. If she's a Gedayla and she could sell this property herself, so then what Rabbi Yaisi is saying is true. If she's a Katana, she can't take this money. Sorry, she can't take that field it is and sell it and get money for it. So already from the beginning of what Rabbi Yaisi said, it's obvious that he's talking about a Gedayla. So Allah, so what do we have to say? The last line of the Mishnah that says that we do not give the money to a katana, that's actually Rab Meir speaking. And therefore it's missing in the Mishnah. And you have to add from the Braise the details we have in the Braise to what it says in the Mishnah. And we read Rab Meir's opinion as follows. This third person has to do exactly what his father told him and buy the property for his daughter. But when is that so? Like the Braise said, only if she's not fully married yet. If she's fully married, then she gets it, it goes to her husband. But then the last line of the mission adds, in Rab Meir's opinion, but that's only if in addition to the fact 
that she's married, she's also, she herself is also a Gedayla already. I will be Katana, if she's a Katana, Amai is a Katana Klum, because she can't do anything, so therefore we don't give her the money, even though she's fully married already. So therefore the Gemara concludes, Ella, so we understand that what's the case that the mayor and Rabbi Yaisi are arguing about, Ella Gedayla, Mina Edison, Ikebenayu. If she's a Gedayla and she's partially married, that's the case that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yaisi argue. Rabbi Yaisi says, because she's a Gedayla, we give her the money, let her take care of herself. And Abmeir says it's not enough. You need two conditions to be able to go ahead and give her the money. She has to be a Gedayla herself, and she has to be fully married in the possession of her husband. Only then do we give her the money. Itmer, Rabbi Yudam HaShmuel, Allah HaKar Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Yudam said in the name of Shmuel, we pass him like Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Amir Rabbi Nachman, Allah HaKar Rabbi Meir. We pass him like Rabbi Meir. And again, to go back to the point that we said, what's the reason why we pass him like Rabbi Meir? Mitzvah L'Kayim Divriya Meis. With certain exceptions, but Rabbi Meir focuses on more the fact that you have to be Mekayim what the Meis wants. Ilfe, now here there's a story with Ilfe. We once learned this before. This is a Gemara in Tainus. What happened was, they didn't know if they should appoint Rabbi Yechenen as a Rosh Hashiva or Ilfe. In the end, Rabbi Yechenen became the Rosh Hashiva and Ilfe became the businessman. After he became the businessman, so they thought he went out to learn to, to business, he forgot all the Torah that he's learned. So Ilfe came back and he wanted to prove that he didn't forget the Torah that he learned. So what happened was, He hung himself from the mast of a, of a, of a ship. Where, they, you hang, where you hang the sail of a ship and you have the big tall pole and he hung himself from there. Right. And Omar, and he said, if anyone here can come, and you'll tell me anything that was taught in the braises of Rabchia and Rabbeishia, those are the main braises which are accepted and trusted, and, and, I, I, and I will not be able to find that what was already taught in the Braise was already taught before in the Mishnah. You could find it in the Mishnah. I'll, I'll, I'll drop myself, I'll fall from here where I am in this high place, and I'll drown. So what happened? So this older individual came, Tanale, and taught him the following halacha regarding a person that passes away and is commanding what to do. A person that says, give a shekel to my son Bishabbos for a week, a shekel per week to eat, to use to, to, for himself. But then what happened? After the father passes away, the rate of inflation, so now to buy food, it would double. A shekel is only a half a selah. So now he needs a selah to eat. So what do we do? So we know that what the mace wanted, he wanted you should give him to eat for, 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 for the week, so you give a selah. But the imama, if the person had passed away, said very clearly, give only a shekel. So he made it very clear, only. So then, so then we only give one shekel. If the person, when, before he passed away, said, if my children uh, passed away, I want my, mother, my money to go really to others. Not people, that, not, not my family, but others should get my money. No matter what expression he used, we give for his children only a shekel because we see that it's this person's intention that his money should go to others. So so he said to Ilfa that was hanging over there on the pole of this boat, who, where, where, where do you find this in the Mishnah? So he answered him, Rav Meir, this is Rav Meir, the Amah, Mitzvah Lekayim, Divri Ames. Rav Meir said that it's a mitzvah to fulfill what the person that passes away said. This is the source of what we're saying over here, that we have to, just like Rav Meir said in our Mishnah, that when he gives it to a third person, you have to actually go and fulfill what he says to buy that property for your daughter. So too over here, you have to fulfill, we have to look at what the person says and fulfill exactly what he says. 
Whatever expression you use, whether he says give, whether he said in a stronger expression, don't give only. We give them everything that they need. If there's inflation and they don't have enough money, we give them more. Didn't we pass him before that we have to fulfill what a person says before he passes away? That's true when it comes to other matters. But over here, it's clear that this person wants his, his children to have the money that they need. The only reason why he said, give them only this amount, is because he wanted his children to be encouraged to work for themselves for a living. So therefore he said this in this expression. But really we know that he actually wants that his children should get the full amount and we're fulfilling what the mace wants. And therefore we give them the full amount that uh, they deserve for what they need now.